Hello, and welcome to After Hours with your host, Amanda Hamilton. After Hours is a platform for conversations with some of Canada's most dynamic creative entrepreneurs. Driven by open, honest conversations, we dig into what makes businesses survive and thrive, giving you tactical insights and takeaways to fuel success, create enduring rituals, and well, crush it in life and business. Today, we are back on the topic of financial feminism with a focus on investing, saving, and reclaiming our female competitive edge. Our guest, Julie Shipley Strickland, talks about women-led businesses, her experiences in a fairly male-dominated industry, and how she balances her edge in business and at home. Julie's also going to laugh at this next part, because before we get started, I can't possibly be the only person that really has no idea what you do, right? Unless I'm, I'm just the only person. So what I want you to do is explain in layman terms what you do. And, and again, so I say this because Julie is a client of mine, but I'm also a client of hers. And truthfully, before we met, I was like, I really have no idea what you do or also how Julie made money. Mm -hmm. Um, which is funny. So now I'm happy to say, actually, we're both happy to say Julie has my money and my business. And a lot of that has to do in part to, you know, just her approach to her business as well as the way that she builds relationships. So Julie, in, in your own words, keep in mind, we got a, we have a range of people in the audience. What the heck is it that you do? <laughs> yeah, that is good. Do you know how often I get asked that question as well? What like do you all the do time. Every Everybody day? thinks I just fluff pillows for a living. So trust me, I get oh, it. Sugar, I thought that's what you did. Oh, it is. Okay, it's totally we'll to what I do. <laughs> I mean, it is part of what I do, but it might be like 0.00001% of what I do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What do I do? You know, layman's terms, I'm, I guess, by trade, a financial advisor. But I look at that as such a not a descriptive term of what I do. Um, it, it would, I guess, be the street name for what I do. I look to build relationships. Um, my key, my goal, my, you know, my why, what gets me up in the morning is um, building relationships with clients, um, ensuring they can retire whatever their retirement looks like. And it's, it's so different for everyone, which is a super fun part about what I do. Um, and then really making sure they're protected along their way. That's the insurance part, right? That's the, the funny thing part. is, is we're, we're joking about this too, because it's like insurance is kind of like a nasty word. Like mm -hmm. no one on the face of the planet is happy really about paying for insurance. It feels like a necessary evil. But I found through the process of working with you that I started to understand the benefit of, of protecting myself, as you said, because you never know what's going to happen, especially for the entrepreneurs that are listening. Like if something happens to you, you know, how do you protect your business and everything that you've put your money into over the course of however many years? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and a secret, don't tell anyone. I don't like paying insurance premiums either. I nobody think you just told everyone. What? Sure. <laughs> I thought that was my inside voice. Uh, <laughs> nobody likes paying for insurance premiums, but it is something that goodness, I've seen it pay out for people who have needed it in such times when they Gosh, to say they need it was an understatement. And I've seen yeah. it work some beautiful miracles. And I've seen it keep businesses together. It keep families running. It allow people to get the treatment they need so they could continue on after they beat an illness or recovered from an accident. So yeah. I've really, really seen the other side of it. I don't want to see that side very often, but I've yeah. seen it a couple of times now. And it, it's this stuff really 
is there when you need it. And you are your biggest asset, especially for entrepreneurs that, that you know, we were talking about. Uh, you are your biggest asset. It's not your home. It's not your property. It's not your vehicle. It's your ability to drive your business and earn an income. So yeah. why wouldn't we be protecting that? Right? Yeah. If yeah. we protect our house against fire and our car against accidents, why don't we protect ourselves? We should protect ourselves about fires, right? Yeah. Against fires. Mm-hmm. Protect, exactly. protect ourselves against fires. I like that. <laughs> okay. So you talked a little bit about your why, and I know a little bit about your why. And mm-hmm. I would, I would, uh, I feel like accurately presume that you would consider yourself a financial feminist based on mm-hmm. what you do. <laughs> but you also have a big passion for working with female entrepreneurs, female led businesses. I, I want you to dig into that a little bit more. I'm curious about why you think it's important to invest in female led businesses and, and why that sort of became a niche of, of your business that you started to pay more attention to. I think for a couple reasons. One, I'm, I was finding as I was going through my career that every time I sat down with a woman, either a, an executive, a manager, entrepreneur, they either allowed their spouse or significant other to handle a lot of the finances. And so they were unsure or lack of confidence in that area. But what I was finding was more and more of them wanted to learn about it. They said that they wanted to learn, but they just felt a little off asking to learn. So they felt unconfident, they felt insecure. And, you know, they were a 35 year old woman, and they should know what an RSP means. So who do they ask now? So I was finding that that was a beautiful niche that I could say, hey, don't let that stop you from learning about how to manage your finances and how to protect yourself, right? I'd love to be the person to support you in that. I also find that women have this I mean, female entrepreneurs have this beautiful passion about them. Women in business just are just tenacious and they love to thrive and they want to do it all. And that energy is amazing to be around. I love surrounding myself with that energy. It's exciting. You and I have talked about this before as this sort of uh, fiscal literacy, right? And and mm-hmm. I think, you know, myself included, I grew up in a in a very strong female uh, family, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of like strong females, and, you know, who are very engaged in their careers, but there was still this like lack of this sort of financial education. And, you know, I, I think further to that, as you had mentioned, like, why do you think it is that, you know, the vast majority of women are still allowing male counterparts, whether in, you know, business or personally in their relationships, making the majority of the financial decisions, you know, in the homes and stuff is, is you see that changing? Is it evolving? Like, is it still happening? I mean, I definitely see a trend of more women getting involved, but I'd love for you to chat about that a little bit more too. Yeah, I think it's fundamentally a traditional practice, right? Yeah. And so traditionally, men have handled the finances, women have reared the children. Okay, so if we start with that, that's what our society has been built on. Now we're getting to a stage where more and more women are going to be controlling wealth. Some of the statistics coming out are absolutely, absolutely incredible. They say that 90% of women in the next 10 years will be the sole financial decision maker in their family. The average woman will control wealth longer than their male spouse or counterpart. So those statistics, things are changing, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I think also women have felt very um, intimidated. And I would definitely say I did at the beginning of my career to ask for, you know, to raise their hand and say, I don't understand something in a room full of men, right? That's been intimidating and uh, kicks the confidence. It's, It's a hard thing to get through and be on the other side of and say, hey, it's okay. I don't know something about 
perhaps something I should know about. Yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting transition to even just talking about um, women in the home and how that's evolved and now women in business and how that's evolved. I mean, I want to chat about that a little bit about your industry, but also your thoughts on like, what are the positive results that you think happen when a women when there's a woman led business? Like what what are some of the differences that you see in terms of how um, women manage finances differently? Is there a difference? Oh, gosh, is there ever a difference? <laughs> <laughs> is there ever a difference? And I want to start by saying nothing's right or wrong, right? Yeah. But I think, you know, the beauty that women lend to any industry or to any areas, we just look at the world differently. I mean, I believe the book is women are from Venus, men are from Mars. We just look at the world differently. And that's a beautiful thing. Women-led businesses tend to have deeper connections tend to be built on relationships, um, tend to have lower turnover in certain areas of their business because those relationships are so solid and so strong. Yeah. Men tend to build relationships based on shared experiences. I think women look after, go after that connection with another mm-hmm. woman. And I think this movement of empowering women, including everyone, I, I think that's something women really resonate with. I, I just think that that is a bit of a snowball, right? It's gaining traction and it's snowballing forward. And I think it's, I honestly think it'll make the world a better place having women more involved in these areas. So talk to me about your industry, because I understand that only 2% uh, of your industry is made up of women of your sort of credentials and, and ranking. So like, is it is it just, it's still evolving? What's happening there? I know that's been something that you've been working on trying to elevate yourself. And so mm-hmm. why, why is it happening? And where do you where do you see this going in the future? Yeah, thank you for that one. Because this is such a, this is such a big, big thing in my industry. So about 20% of financial typical financial advisors are females. That would include several that either just work on the wealth side, and or are employed by another financial institution. The difference there for me is I'm, I'm strong on the wealth and the risk side. As well, I started my own business. So that's where you get that smaller percentage. You know, you started your business. You started it from nothing. You started it with a goal and a passion and a dream and you went after it. It's hard being an entrepreneur, relying on yourself. And especially as a woman in a male-dominated industry, it's intimidating. You know, I went to conferences at the beginning. There was two women and 100 men. Yeah. So it is definitely an industry I think that's evolving. Uh, I think it's evolving quicker than we anticipate. But my area of being an entrepreneur and being on both sides, I'm not sure if that's something that's steadily growing. The statistics that I see, it's not hugely growing, right? It's challenging to get into. So if I throughout my career can assist and help in that way, I'd love that. I'd love to see more women yeah. in the business. I think it's it's a beautiful business to be in. I think there's a great work-life balance concept um, and aspect to it that you can really take care of um, and really embrace. And I, I definitely think that you know we lend we lend a different lens to financial planning and to how finances should be spent in the household, how they should be saved. Uh, where they place their value. We're just, we're looking at it through a different lens. And I think that's awesome. I feel like you're giving me such good lead-ins to our next questions. You know, you talked about, you talked a little bit about um, work-life balance, which I, you know, I really want to dig in with you. But before mm-hmm. we do, 
you know, the lending side of it, you know, I know that's not exactly what you do in your business, but obviously you've, you've got people that are investing with you and those investments then obviously become capital for, for further investments or, or further projects. And so I wanted to hear a little bit about your insight in terms of um, raising capital. So I think, I think there's two things. I mean, people are investing money with you. What the heck mm -hmm. are they doing with it? Right. Yep. And then, you know, some of the challenges or experiences that you've had directly with dealing with people, helping them be in a position to raise capital for, for whatever they're investing in. So I think what are people investing in? There's always trends and then there's always your steady eddies. So yeah. how I manage money or how I look at money is I build, um, there's kind of three tranches to it if you want to think of a pie. So one portion of it would be, let's say, a managed money. That would be your steady eddy your very well diversified portfolio across several industries, countries, you know, think banks, pipelines, railways, very steady, steady businesses. And what are those things called? Because I remember you did this chart for me, like dig into that. That's that's the... Those are your blue chip, your traditional yes. blue chip industries. Often they pay nice steady dividends, which is a little reward for investing in them. You know, they they often fall in the medium risk category. You hold them for longer, correct? Hold them for longer. They're right. really just steady, big monstrosities that tend to just churn nicely and give you a nice steady rate of return. And they're a great foundation to a portfolio. The second tranche that we look at is something called Explore. So that would be, and I usually speak with clients in this area about what they're interested in investing in. So this is where we get into the, you know, the nuts and bolts of, are you interested in emerging markets? So countries around the world that are developing, are you interested in environmental or social or governance? Are you interested in, you know, oil and gas? Are you interested in any of these uh, niche sectors, AI, tech, healthcare, this sorts mm -hmm. of things? Okay. Like, like Zoom probably would have been a really good investment prior to, or like, you know, surgical masks. Yeah. You know, and hindsight, elastics to go around your ears for the masks, like all these things <laughs> would have been real good to dump money into circa yes. March 16th, 2020. Yes. Um, so yeah, just niche little areas that people, and I shouldn't say little niche areas that people have an interest in and want to support. Okay. And then yeah. the third area I like to call the spice. This is either different instruments and or this is where you would get into extremely niche areas. So you might be in something, uh, you know, let's go with something like a SpaceX, right? Elon Musk yeah. is looking at doing space travel for the average person. Okay. These sorts of niche, niche categories yeah. usually carry a substantial amount of risk to them, but they're interesting. And for people who want to look at them, they're fun to invest in. So awesome. at the end of the day, that's where people are, are looking to invest their money with me. So what about raising capital? I've got clients who, who really, really love that, right? They love the idea of being able to support a small business, a friend starting, uh, a group of businesses that they know down the street. And it's becoming something that people are talking about more and more. People love the idea of being able to support someone that they know that is doing something of interest. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a conversation I would say I'm having a lot more now than I did almost 10 years ago when I started my career. It yeah. just wasn't as, as topical. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty exciting thing that people are wanting to do that so much these days. I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to know what, what you invest in. Like, what are you interested and in, passionate about? Where do you like putting your money? Oh, besides Ooh. shoes. 
Besides shoes, yes, because we determined that there's a great return on used <laughs> used shoes. Exactly. <laughs> um, where do I dabble? Uh, so right now, I, I always keep a steady amount in the core. Uh, I tend to use a lot of global. I believe we, you know, make our our incomes in Canada. We have our real estate in Canada, so we already have a large presence in Canada. I tend to look at. Um, global investments as my priority. Um, mm-hmm. I, I am a big a believer in um, money in the emerging markets. I think the developing countries are doing wonderful things. Um, and so I love putting money over there. I would definitely say I've got quite a bit in AI, innovative technology, you know, genome therapy, uh, biotech, uh, these kinds of areas, AI, robotics, these kinds of areas that I really believe are growing and going to make our world a lot more efficient. Um, yeah. And the other thing that I'm recently getting into more and more that I'm loving is women-led businesses. Mm-hmm. So trying to support women who have beautiful ideas, great concepts in you know different industries all across, and be able to start directing some of my capital into those. It's interesting that you uh, you bring up. AI because I just watched a documentary uh, last night. It was it was the one that went out on the group message that we had, and I don't know if you've watched it, but you know that that's interesting to me. And I think I'm going to put you on the spot again because they talked a lot about you know they're they're talking it's like the future, but they're like no, really, this is the next five to ten years. Um, AI being a major component. I mean, if you could hedge your bets on the next five to ten years in terms of what industries are growing the most, like where people you should be looking at in terms of doing some research, where they want to put their money, where, where would you say, what would you say those industries are? So I would definitely say the innovative or disruptive technologies are really going to be, I would say, the next five to 10 years. So your AI, your robotics, um, and then your healthcare. Right. There's a lot yeah. going on in healthcare, genetic testing, um, genome therapies. These sorts of ideas are really, really coming to the forefront. Um, so I definitely think those areas are going to be something that people are going to want to invest into more and more. Julie, I want to know if you have advice for first time investors. You know, so I, mm. I'm curious to know, like, OK, so I'm I'm a young adult. Maybe I haven't put any money aside yet. Where the heck do I start? People are talking about RSPs. Do I put it in my TFSA account? Maybe I still have student loans. Maybe somebody has credit card debt. Um, Where does somebody start? Like, I would love to hear, and I think the audience would love to hear some advice in terms of like some of the steps you should take. Um, and, And also maybe explain to them like what that investment could look like and how small it could be to start. I know for myself, um, I, I actually just read a few books. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I read Automatic Millionaire. I know this is dating myself, right? I read them in the bathtub in my like mid 20s. And that information had never been communicated to me before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to know what, what your advice is for the first time investor. Yeah, perfect. I'd love to share this. So I think first time investing, uh, just start. That's, that would be my number one tip. Just start. When you start working, put something aside, $25 a week, every two weeks, a month, it doesn't matter. Uh, Statistics show that time is on your side (laughs) and Mm -hmm. time is your biggest indicator of return. It's actually not the type of investment you're going to be in, how much you're contributing in your 
20s, 30s, 40s. It is simply the length of time that you have had money invested. I like what you said about the $25, because I think that's my biggest takeaway from reading some of these books is like, you're never going to miss the $25 if it just automatically gets taken off your paycheck or is automatically taken out of your account. The second you have to go and pull that money into another account, it becomes an onerous like action, right? Whereas if it's just gone, you're like, well, I guess I cannot afford my Starbucks this week. Exactly. Those new yeah. shoes aren't happening. So yes. it's just gone. And, you know, for myself, it automatically comes out of my bank account too. On the same day I get paid, I'm not doing anything differently than what I recommend to my clients to do, right? Because I would have trouble remembering to move money into a certain account, right? We got a yeah. lot on our plates. So, to to just simply start and do it do a do a $25 you'd be blown away by what that looks like in 10 20 30 years right so i think that would be my biggest tip yeah. the second one is sure there's rsps there's tfsas and that helps uh, save in everyone's individual circumstance so we can touch on that for sure but paying down debt i think is definitely something, non-deductible debt, of course, is definitely something that um, people should be prioritizing. And I think there's a yeah. balance, right? Do you need to be paying down your mortgage aggressively when the rates are 2% and not investing anything? No. Yeah. I think you can pay down your mortgage at 2%, but also invest in a stock market that's making you 5, 6, 8, 10, 12%. So I think there's a balance there. That's where individualized planning is so key. Mm -hmm. I think too, what I'm hearing you say um, is just diversity too, right? So this idea that it's not like, Maybe you don't need to have all of your debt paid down. Like you, you pointed to the non-deductible debt. So I would imagine that's something like a student loan, right? So you can you don't need to pay your student loans down all the way before you decide to put money in your TFSA account. Maybe you're putting a little bit of money in your RSP, a little bit of money in your TFSA, a little bit of money to pay down debt. But ultimately that you're kind of like touching on all of these different areas that you can, you, there's some progress, right? You're starting earlier and there's some progress. You've got time on your side. Exactly. And chipping away yeah. at it, right? You know, I often have people say, well, Julie, it's only $25 or it's only $100 or whatever it is. Sure, it is. But look, three, four, five, 10 years from now, it's a different story, right? Well, and I think that's the thing is, is our, our ideas about money and what we make, they evolve fairly dramatically over the years, right? So I remember when I didn't even have $20 to like put gas into my Honda Civic. Right. It would have been a lot for me at that time to give up $20 to put in to an account. But you have to start somewhere and it just grows and it becomes easier and easier to do. It really does. And if you get in that habit, right, to go from $25 and then to go to $50 two years later and then to go to $100 the next year, right, these things kind of evolve. It's very different going from 25 to 50 to 100 than just starting with 100, right? Yes. There's a different mindset and mentality there. Um, so I think just starting and building upon that, by far, best way to do it. Next, switching gears a little bit, mm -hmm. as as we as we like to do. As we do. Um, you are involved with several different businesses. You are mm -hmm. married to a very funny man <laughs> who has made me laugh on several occasions. He's the best. You have two children. Mm -hmm. um, you are involved in the community. Mm -hmm. um, so. How how do you manage this all? I mean, of course, you know where I'm going with this. We're, it's it's that like dirty little phrase, work life balance. So I I want to I want to talk about this a little bit. I think I I can't remember where I read it years ago, but 
they said that there was some value to figuring out like what your hour costs. And mm-hmm. I know that sounds, you know, very black and white, but there's some value in going like, if I'm going to give up this time during my wake work day or um, on the weekend, you know, what, what is that sort of investment in time? And I, and I think time often time is money, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I'm curious to know, how do you decide where you're going to gift your time? Mm-hmm. What drives that decision? I love how you put that gift your time. That's because it, it is a gift. Oh, it's, it is. it's, you're, you're, I think you're donating something that's incredibly valuable. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. I love that. I love that. You can feel free to use that and you don't need to pay me any like trademark fees or I anything don't. on it. Ooh, I might use that. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm of the, of the idea or the mantra, maybe I should say that it's never going to, I'm never going to get it right 100% of the time. I think I lead with my heart in this area strongly. I believe that I can answer emails at nine o'clock on the couch after my kids have gone to bed so that I can leave the office at four and see my kids and hang out with them between 4.30 and 7.30, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. that's the beauty of a few things. The hard work I've put into my career to build it and have that foundation. Um, but that is, that is the gift, right? Yeah. My kids are only their age for so long. And they're only going to want to hang with me for so long. Although I do think they're going to want to hang with me longer than the average, but I'm just saying. I think you might be thinking you're a cooler parent than other parents, but I think eventually all parents become uncool and their kids are like, drop me off a block away from school. Do not kiss me on the cheek or the lips anywhere. Mom, don't hold my hand. I know Julie's Julie's frowning right now. You guys can't see the video, but uh, Julie's frowning. She's totally in denial. No, I'm just joking. You're very cool. I think, you know, your kids are going to just continue to think you're just like the raddest mom. Oh, thank you. I just, <laughs> to me, I, I think of, and I'll bring this up just for, just for a moment. My dad got terminally ill at 56, passed away at 58. I was extremely close with my father. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the good thing we got was some beautiful time towards the end where he knew he was passing and he wasn't doing well, but I got to have these deep conversations with him. And one of the things I said to him was, what do you regret? And he said, he smiled, I'll never forget. And he said, I don't regret a thing. I could have made more money. I could have done things differently, but I know my kids so well. I got to spend so much time with you guys. And I just feel like that was such time well spent. And it just, it's resonated with me. Like I just can't Mm -hmm. even imagine, you know, not building that relationship with my children. I want them to be, I want to be good friends with them for the rest of my life. You know, sure. I'm in that parenting role right now, but you know, when they're 25, they're always going to need a parent, but they're also going to need a friend. I'm really excited to build that foundation, that connection with them right now. And that requires time. There's no other way you build that with anyone except for with time. I love my business. I love what I do. And I love um, committing time to it because it makes me who I am. And I think it makes me a better mom, to be honest with you. But I also really value that time um, with those those two beautiful children because they are they are just awesome. That's incredible. Do you employ any sort of like pro tips or life hacks to ensure you are focused on that family time and friend time at the end of your workday. Like, do you have any hard stops, non-negotiables, boundaries that you've sort of set up to be able to control that? Because I think throughout the course of everybody's careers, like, I, I don't personally believe that there's this thing called like work-life balance. That's like 50-50 work, you know, for home. And 
the reality is it's different for everyone. Um, I think it ebbs and flows throughout the course of your career. So like, what do you do to ensure that you have your version of balance? And I think you've nailed it perfectly there. It ebbs and flows and everyone has a different version of balance. You are absolutely right. I'm definitely of the mindset of work hard, play hard. So I definitely believe that, you know, when I'm at work, I really try and focus on work. I really want to get my stuff done so that I can you know, do a great job for my clientele and really support my staff, but also be able to really concentrate on my family. I really try and be present where I am as well. And I think this mm-hmm. is something that's talked about more and more often, but I think it's so important. You know, being present, quantity time with your children means less than the quality. You want to be present with them. You want to be present with your clients. You want to be present with your spouse and you want to be present with your friendships. And even when you're doing your own self-care, you want to be present Mm -hmm. with yourself and thinking about nothing. So being present and focusing on that quality of time versus the quantity has really helped in all areas of my life, make sure that I'm satisfied or at least feeling that Mm -hmm. uh, that I'm accomplishing in each area. If I were to look at the clock, it wouldn't be a great indicator. I kind of alluded a little bit to, you know, if you look at the scale, if you're weighing yourself, that always really doesn't determine your health, right? Yeah. It's better to look at the size of your clothing, that sort of thing. Like how all of our clothing is getting very tight during COVID right now. Yeah. And how, you know, leggings have become pants when <laughs> sometimes they shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, yeah. Ray. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. Um you know, I was uh, I was on a conference just yesterday with uh, Sarah Ross out of um, uh, Toronto, and we were chatting a lot about emotional intelligence and managing mm. stress. And there's there's actually a really beautiful balance. I loved she talked about it. She had some some names for it, but it was like you're tipping the scales, right? So like you're coming you're coming up and you're coming back down. And there's there's this top at the spot where we live, where a certain amount of stress is actually really healthy, really propels us. Um, It keeps us motivated and energized, but you go over that sort of hump and it becomes very, very stressful. And so I'm curious for you, if there are any warning signs that come up for you, um, that, 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 that your version of balance um, is slipping and then how do you correct it? Are you asking me that question or should I, this is a good time to bring in my I'm, husband because oh, he yeah, probably so, have a few yeah, let's, let's <laughs> phone him in right now. He'd be He'd like, go, she's Ooh. very short tempered, lacks empathy and makes, uh, makes terrible comments about my appearance. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I tend to go down the, as I'm getting on the other side of that, Hump. I tend to be a bit of the hamster on a wheel, scattered, up and down emotionally. Um, and not, I don't go to the anger, I go to the tears. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. So that's when I know I need to take a step back and say, hey, I'm going to need a bit of Julie time. I'm going to need a bit of R&R, whatever that looks like. The thing that I think I've really focused on, and in 2020, I must say, helped me do this, is that sometimes that R&R is actually sitting down and getting work done for two hours without any distractions. That actually can help me reset sometimes better than 30 minutes in the bath where no one's done right? It's sometimes just being able to put my head down and get that work done and not feeling any guilt that I'm missing out on anything else while Mm -hmm. I'm doing that, right? And again, it goes back to that quantity versus quality, right? If I can put my head down for two hours and get really great work done, then I can all of a sudden spend the rest of the day with my family and feel really great about that. 
And there goes the, you know, tipping off the other side of that proverbial mountain. And other times it's exactly what we all think, right? It's reading a book in bed. It's taking a bath. It's some self-care. It's a walk. It's a workout um, in order to just reset. Since you, since you brought up your hubby and we're we're chatting about this, that that guy. Yeah. So do do you think, is there a difference between how the two of you approach work-life balance um, you know, would you say it's equally important for you? Do you have different habits? Like, do you think that this affects each sex differently? Or do you think it's just a really individual thing? I think it's a really individual thing. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I, I'm not sure if it's it's male, female. I think it's more personality and, and style and how you manage stress, right? Different people can manage different types of stress in different ways. For my hubby and I, we we really go on the mantra of percentages. So we've been doing this for years, but I'll sit back and go, you know, I'm at I'm at 10%. I am out. I uh I am overwhelmed and I'm out. And that's where he steps in and goes, I'm 90. I got this. I love that. That's actually like yeah. a really great pro tip, I feel like. I mean, just being able to communicate to your partner like what how how full your glass is right exactly like there is meniscus forming on my glass <laughs> and it is about to spill over, over. you know and you by know, the way that meniscus is from wine it's not from water i was gonna go with the bubbles you know when you pour oh, that too. the champagne in the flute and the bubbles spill over that's yes. that. but that's usually because you're filling your cup too full too quickly Oh, look at the metaphor there. Killing it. Oh my goodness. Out of nowhere. Love it. Yeah. So we've used that percentage for years and that's really helped us gauge. And it's especially, Mm -hmm. I find in the evenings when you're with the children, because as I think everyone knows, children have 150% energy from the time they get up (laughs) to the time they go to bed. There is no slowing down partway through or towards the end of the day. It almost kind of ramps up again. It's incredible. Um, So if you're beat from a big day, you know, they're ready to go. So you need that support. And I find the percentage such an easy way, plus I'm in finance, but I find the percentage (laughs) such an easy way to just be like, time out. I'm I'm going to be a great mom tomorrow morning, but I am not, I'm not representing right now. Julie says to her husband, stocks, stocks are down today. Daddy needs to pull his weight. Exactly. And vice versa, right? For him to turn around and say, hey, I'm maxed or I've got to work till eight o'clock tonight. You've got to handle the kids like that communication and that, and that's not holding anything against each other. That's not an IOU. That is not. None of that is existing in in when we're saying that. That is simply, hey, you know, 50-50 parenting, let's do this together. Today I'm having a rough go. Tomorrow you might have a rough go. Um, And my biggest thing in that is never, ever to hold that against them. You know, you went out four times last week. No, like I'm not, I'm not in that realm. I think it all works out in the wash. And I think to get that support and that, you know, they're a teammate. And if your partner can support in that way, I think it's massive. I think it's huge. And the kids see that too. I'm I'm conscious of time, of course, but I feel like you and I could chat for hours about this. I you you we've we've talked about this. I feel really passionately about um 
I think just financial literacy in general. I mean, I think mostly because I had to learn this stuff a lot later in my life. And and sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, if only I knew then what I knew now, you know, I I would be in a a different position in terms of the types of investments that I might have and and just the knowledge that that I'd be able to take into my business. But I mean, we learn these lessons when we learn them, but it's one of the reasons why I love talking about this. And, and so I, I, I just want people to know that they can reach out to you. I, I find that this is like an incredibly informative conversation. There's so many people I know that I think there's, are going to see value in this. So I want to know where do our listeners um, find you, you know, to, to take more control of their personal finances, investment, insurance. How do they get a hold of you so that they can like give you their money? Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> where can we find your you? money at me? Perfect. Throw your money at Julie and just do it. Give even Here. if it's even if it's $50. Exactly. Build on something. So my Instagram handle would be easy uh, at wealth with Julie. And the other one would be my email. So Julie Strickland at wprivate.com. I think those would be the two best ways. Great. Well, we will make sure that that is in the show notes. So everybody has that information. I, I thank you so much for your time today. And any any last uh, parting words of wisdom you want to leave with the audience? Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to speak with you, Amanda. You're incredible. And I've loved this. And thank you for listening, audience. Well, thank you for joining us. That was so much fun. We will talk to you soon. Talk soon. As always, thank you so much for joining us today on the After Hours podcast. If you want to keep up to date with all of our crazy adventures or subscribe to the podcast, feel free to check us out at amandahamilton.ca.